The Idaho Street Workshop is proud to present Changes, a six-episode limited series. Dear listener, there is something untangible about the sound in the middle of the night. The night air, it cools a bit, the vibrations traveling further, piercing through the loneliness, the joy, the merriment, the isolation, the togetherness of life, life after the sun goes down. Or is it something else? The moon's gravitational influences on the auditory cortex, the barometric pressure's effect on the ear canal. Or maybe oxygen levels are affected because plants stop producing breathable air. At night, instead of a steady intake of carbon dioxide and output of oxygen, plants begin to consume oxygen. This reversal, in turn, makes our appetites more vegetarian as a defense against a world of flora. Or at night, there is simply a difference, a feeling that occurs, that can be heard. Can you hear it? The vastness above, the dark, the pinpricks of light in the ever-expanding void. The distances between one reality and the next, unfathomable. The sound of being alone in the universe. Episode 2 night moves featuring the voices of anna clark brian taylor and myself john wanzell for more information on the series please visit idahostreetworkshop.com so okay yeah i'm gonna start recording test one two one two one two um can you start with your name regina uh, as you know i'm interviewing people uh, about nick um do you remember where you met him? He was just around that summer. Guess was at a concert or party or something. Why are you doing this? That seems kind of morbid. So, do you remember much about him? Sure. Uh, he liked tacos, drank beer. Do you think the fight that Tess and he had at the party was, was about? I mean, what do you think the fight was about? Money. Money? Yeah, he borrowed a couple hundred from her early on in the summer. It, it wasn't about cheating or... I don't know. I only know what Tess told me. I don't know if you're going to find a reliable narrator on any side of this. But can we just talk about Nick? I mean, can we focus a little bit more about the last time you saw him? We'll talk about what you want to talk about. It was at a party, Labor Day, the end of the summer. I guess we were still happily dating. Nick seemed happy. I don't really remember much else. I think I was wearing a red and white sundress. You had on those horrible camouflage shorts and those black converse. Most of what I remember was after. I mean, the next day, when I heard he died. I remember that feeling more than anything. What was that feeling? I guess, I mean, it was a weight. A weight that pushed out all the breath from my body. A weight that pushed my blood like it was expanding it in my body. My fingers started to feel like they weren't on my hands. My hands weren't mine. My legs walked on their own through my life without me telling them what to do, not being able to control my eyes, but somehow through all of this, somehow still watching hours of reality television. The feeling of the inside of my skin. Is that a feeling? Is a physical sensation a feeling? I'm not asking you for an answer. You were unable to console me at the time. 
I couldn't help you with what you were going through. I can't expect you to understand now for us to be able to talk about things like this. I was just remembering the weight, the concentration it took to breathe, the feeling of a deep breath when one was so difficult. The sounds in the middle of the night are the ones that are the hardest. The ones that get the mind racing. Racing about the things that can't be controlled. Is the cricket a cricket? Or is it anxiety? Did the air conditioning just go on? Or is there a giant water leak in the kitchen? Is that the wind? Or did the economy just collapse? The nighttime when anything is possible. The bell rings at 10 p.m. You hear walking in a hallway with lots of echoes. This sound is overtaken by feedback. Broad electronic chords, slow, with a staccato piano. You can hear the outside the crickets in the background. The wonder, did you feel the lightning? The lens, the camera lens, and to a lesser degree, the unidirectional or cardioid microphone. When the focus or aim is accurate, the subject, or the sound, is clear, crisp, intelligible. A small adjustment to the focus ring, or a slight movement, and the image, the primary, or desired subject, is blurred, the desired sound is lessened, and the unambiguous becomes muffled, or is consumed by background noise. In the motion picture industry, a rack focus is a purposeful change in focus from one subject to the next. Also known as a focus pull, this is done between characters to change the audience's attention. The focus pull basically moves the depth of field, or the distance between the closest thing in focus to the furthest thing in focus. A ping-pong of focus. Are you waiting? 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 Waiting for the thunder? The microphone's ability to focus or key in on a sound while in the field isn't as easy or specific. While a cardioid microphone does give you a bit of control, Overall, the only way to truly focus a microphone over distance is the use of a parabolic dish or microphone. The only reliable way to isolate a sound is to move the microphone closer to the noise or sounding. 1974, Francis Ford Coppola, The Conversation. Gene Hackman, brilliant in his role as Henry Call, a surveillance professional. While doing his job, he records something records a piece of information. Creating a moral dilemma. 
I woke last night to the sound of thunder. I wondered how far off it was. Jack Terry, as portrayed by John Travolta in Brian De Palma's Blowout, a sound effects artist working for a slasher film, records something he shouldn't, leading to chases, leading to adventure, leading to a conspiracy. Strange how the night moves, with autumn closing in. De Palma's 1981 movie was based on the 1966 film Blow Up by Michelangelo Antonioni. It featured a fashion photographer, not a sound effects artist or a surveillance professional. They all heard or saw something they shouldn't, made possible through the manipulation of technology. The microphone, the camera, editing reality and finding within that reality a moral question. One that is centered around an act of violence, a hidden violence. Move upstage three steps. Turn to the table. Sit down. Pour yourself a glass of water. Look at the man seated downstage in the eye. Raise the glass of water to your lips. Don't take a sip. Just pause for five seconds. Put the glass down without drinking. Stand up. Walk toward the man. High fever, head, back, and muscle aches. Raised bumps, pustules covering the skin. Open sores, bloody diarrhea, abdominal cramps, rectal pain. Seizures, vomiting, bleeding of the gums and nose, fatigue, sore throat, hallucinations, aggressive behavior, increased production of saliva, double vision, difficulty breathing, rash, chills, genital sores. Walk out of the small room. The light flashes on and off. Press play on the CD player. Hit the repeat button. Is this about Remy? I, um, um... Are you trying to tell me something about your sister? Wait 20 hours before stopping the music. Walk in. Look them in the eye. Have them bring in the bucket, the tub of water. In 1992, a panel of distinguished researchers was chosen by the National Institute of Medicine to produce a watershed study concerned with the spread of infectious diseases. They found six causes of contagion emergence. The 1992 study failed to foresee how the end of the Cold War would affect the emergence of contagions around the world. Nationalist struggles began to erupt all throughout the old Eastern Bloc, as well as tribal wars across Africa, as well as the first Gulf War. Refugees brought cholera, meningitis, malaria, syphilis, among others. This destabilized economies, which brought famine. A hungry population is more prone to infection. 
A hungry population is more apt to burn down forests to plant crops, which causes fevers, which destroys any part of the health system that was remaining, which causes a population willing to do anything, which causes more social strife, which causes uprisings, and conquerings, and bombs, and gunfire. In 2004, the WHO released an update on the global burden of disease in the world. In reading it, I learned that there are a lot of ways to die. I learned that I'm not very good at reading stories where the word death appears 700 times, cancer 382 times, war 34 times, disease 910 times, and vaccine only 21 times. Two sets of data gleaned from the 146-page PDF. The money. The more money a country, or specifically a region or social class has, the more money they have, the longer they live. This is due to access to health care, as well as a reduction of environmental factors like lead in the water or air pollution levels. The cause of death and injury during 2004 in the Eastern Mediterranean region. 31% of the deaths were caused by war. 30% by car accidents. So, okay, I'm going to start recording now. One, two, one, two. Can, okay, can you start with your name? Tamara. As you might know, I'm interviewing people about Nick. Okay. So what do you want to know about Nick? Yeah, so I'm looking for some background for a piece I'm writing. It's just whatever you can remember, especially how you met him, a couple of stories, maybe the last time you saw him. What type of piece are you writing? Um, I, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I think it's going to be some kind of first-person remembrance of kind of who he was and the summer we met him, trying to use that to pull themes of, of, of the time. Oh, so this is research. Are you going to quote me? Do I need to sign a release? No, 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 no. It's just research. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to base the people in the piece on you or Joe or anyone else. I'm just trying to fill in some blanks in my memory. Can't you just make it up? Well, yeah, but I'd rather have the, the kind of based on the truth of the situation. I'm also interested in how each of us remember things differently, how over 15 years, how it's distilled different aspects of the events. I don't know how much it can help. I mean, I didn't know him all that well. You, Tom, Dave, Gabriella, Tess, and what's your name, Remy? No, no, no. Remy was my sister. You're thinking of Regina. Yeah, Regina. You were the ones that were thick as butter. I worked a lot that summer. I didn't have time for as much drinking as you guys were doing. Where were you working? Same place I am now. St. Mary's. Oh, I didn't know you were still there. Dear listener, thank you for joining us for the second episode of the Idaho Street Workshop. The workshop is written, composed, and produced by me, John Wanzell, and features the additional voice talents of Brian Taylor and Anna Clark. 
For more information about the program, please visit the website, idahostreetworkshop.com. Tune in to our next episode, Sex, Drugs, Rock, the Devil. Until then, from San Diego to your ears, thank you for listening.